0: Please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers.
1: Hello and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga.
0: We're still finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Isaac.
1: And I'm Chloe. And in this episode, we're talking about the epilogue of life and death
0: twilight
1: reimagined. Hello. Hi. I don't like that I can't see your face.
0: This is different, isn't it? Tell the people why.
1: Okay, so I have recently moved into a new house.
0: Congratulations. Thank
1: you honestly it's the best house i've ever lived in It is gorgeous we are so so happy
0: and you were talking about going for house viewings on this podcast that's what's been crazy about doing a longer run this time
1: yes so it's gorgeous however like an idiot although really should everything be my responsibility Mm. just something to consider (laughs) Um... (laughs) i work from home now because of the pandemic And I realised, shit, we haven't organised the Wi-Fi for our House. Found a really good deal, but they couldn't install it until the 16th of August. That will not do, my friend. Kept looking, kept looking, kept looking. I found an even better deal. The quickest they can install it was the 7th of August, and that was the closest date I could find. So we had to go with them.
0: And today, the date on which we are recording this now is July 31st. <laughs>
1: Yes. So instead of being able to FaceTime Isaac and see his beautiful face, I have to enjoy his voice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. The voice is not the best impression without the face. You're all just going to have to trust me that the face really makes up for this sound. Wow. (laughs) This should have been a YouTube series.
1: (laughs) Um, oh. Yes, yeah, so we're doing this on the phone whilst recording. I'm using up all the data that anybody could possibly have. It's the hottest day imaginable.
0: I am getting so hot. I'm going to take my clothes off. <laughs> Please keep them on. You can't see me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's true. I am currently sitting naked on my housemate's leather chair.
0: And I also am sitting naked on my golden chaise longue. <laughs> being fanned by a room full of male models who are just fanning me very, very quietly so as not to interrupt.
1: <laughs> okay, so let's do this shit.
0: Today we're talking about the epilogue of this book. Just like Twilight had an epilogue, Life and Death has an epilogue. Just like Twilight's was about an occasion, this one is about an occasion. So, welcome to Life and Death, the epilogue, an occasion. It's a few weeks later, maybe, maybe a month. It's really not clear. The timeline's gone out the window. But it's some time later. Bo and Edith sit in a tree, watching Bo's funeral take place two miles away. We learn that Archie and Eleanor faked Bo's death digging up a recently buried corpse, placing it in his truck, and driving it off a ravine in Nevada. The charred remains of his body are now being buried under Bo's name. From his perch, Bo watches his parents, the Cullens, Bonnie and Jules Black, and all the kids from school gather to mourn him. After the service, Corrine apologises to Charlie for Edith's absence, setting up the cover that Edith will be too distraught to return to school in September. Edith and Beau imagine how things might have worked out if Beau had remained human longer, and somewhere in there they're kind of engaged. Then Corrine calls Edith, and she and Beau rush back to Cullen Manor because they have visitors. The visitors turn out to be the Quileute Werewolves, there to chase the Cullens out of Forks for breaking the treaty by turning Beau. Bo explains why he was turned, leaving the werewolves unsure of what to do. So they arrange a meeting between the Cullens and the true descendant of the last wolf chief, Bonnie Black. So Bo, Edith and Corrine go to meet Bonnie. Bo explains again, and Bonnie accepts that the treaty has not been broken. When the wind changes direction, Bo is hit with Bonnie's scent, but is able to resist the temptation to kill her because he's so good at being a veggie vamp. Corrine and Edith are in awe of him. As Bonnie and her entourage drive away, Bo asks Edith to tell him everything that she has heard in their thoughts. She says she will tell all when they get home. There was a lot. Then the book ends. So there we have it.
1: So that's the epilogue. What a crock of shit. Honestly, I think there's a really big injustice of this epilogue. Oh. It's done the whole book a disservice. It's gone, okay, well, they can't have the ending that Bella and Edward have because these are different characters. So everything's going to be done very differently and it's going to be really shit for the humans, but... Hey ho. There's a lot of things that happen here that have really great consequence on others, and Edith and Beau just get to kind of walk away.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I have a problem with that.
1: Oh, I do. Like, I leave this epilogue very heavy and feeling really, really sad for Renee and particularly Charlie.
0: Okay. Should we start moving our way through? Because I think maybe you might have to talk me through it as we get to it for me to fully get your feeling. I
1: didn't necessarily have that. So Bo was watching his own funeral. Mm -hmm. Something that we all imagine fantasise about.
0: I definitely have.
1: Yeah, you know, what's gonna be said about you, who's gonna attend, what are people gonna wear, what's the music gonna be like, food. It's just a very morbid scene and Beau is like kind of acting sad and I feel like he's not really feeling it. Yeah. And no parent, should ever have to bury their child.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Very tragic.
1: It is tragic. Could you imagine knowing that you're not actually dead and having to watch your parents go through thinking you are and knowing that you can't tell them the truth and they're just going to have to live with this pain forever?
0: Yeah. You're right that we don't really deal with that. Like, So we get this numbness to start with. He talks about the guy who Archie and Eleanor Ugh, have dug up.
1: That is awful. Put in his truck. And... I didn't read that properly. So I thought they'd maybe gotten a cadaver from the hospital. Oh, no.
0: No, no but they, they've actually they've dug, dug up. They dug someone up. That is atrocious. Someone recently buried, though.
1: Yeah, that looks like him.
0: Yeah. It really struck me the spot where he's being buried.
1: With his grandparents.
0: Yes, his grandma and grandpa Swan. I hope they didn't mind having a stranger next to them. And he then goes on to discuss this stranger whose body has been used. But when I first read that, because that line comes right after he explains that they both died when he was little so he hadn't known them well at first i was like oh who is the stranger here who's Bo talking about is he the stranger
1: oh no she's not that poetic
0: i do think there is a a double meaning in that a little bit Bo himself as a stranger amongst his family now that he's the vampire and he can never go home again and we get echoes of this later on with Bonnie, where she says, uh, you know, he's a thing. That bears some resemblance to Bo Swan. Yeah. She doesn't believe at first that he truly is Bo Swan, whether I'm you know, just putting it on the text myself, but I am certainly seeing there that Bo himself is having these questions of is he still who he was? Mm-hmm. And who even was he? You yeah. know, the boy with the...
1: Uncertain eyes.
0: Yeah. There's a line a bit further down that page that really, really reminded me, and I hate to say it because it's one of my favourite books, but of the perks of being a wallflower Mm. when... He's talking about the kids at school going to the funeral. I guess they were just crying because it was sad in general. It probably made them think about their own mortality and all of that. That kind of throwaway discussion of that. Yeah. Really reminded me of that character. And that's a character who is dealing with a lot of trauma.
1: Well, and Bo is.
0: Well, exactly. And that's kind of what I mean. Like, I I wondered if Bo's trauma is kind of being erased.
1: This is what I was saying. But
0: I don't necessarily think it is.
1: He's not dealing with it properly.
0: Is he not dealing... Dealing with it properly? Or are we just not getting told about it? Like, are we not being given well, that? Well, then if
1: we're not being given it, then he's not dealing with it. Because if it's not written, it's not being done. That's how a book works.
0: But we have this moment where he does kind of break down. When Charlie is left alone, once the funeral's over.
1: Yeah, but he can't cry. Which is perfect for Beau.
0: It's that irony. I felt my face working, trying to find the expression that went with my grief. My eyes were too dry. I bled against the uncomfortable feeling talking about like the hitching of Mm -hmm. air in his throat like he was choking on it and of course I rolled my eyes and I was a bit like that's what crying (laughs) is though just because you're a man you don't realise how to recognise this feeling (laughs) but there was something that made me after all my bitching about it there was something about this little moment that made me go yeah that's good the moment when he would finally cry he is physically unable to
1: Hmm. i thought i I didn't hate it sad though sad because crying is such a great release
0: that does then just kind of get swept away
1: all of it gets swept away like it's just it's again it should have been a chapter but there's a lot just again thrown in to kind of just go here we go let's fucking end this (laughs) maybe she had the same attitude we have for this book
0: no because she could have done that i think it's the opposite she could have just thrown in the towel This could have ended with Beau crying at Charlie crying at Beau's funeral. But we'll get into it. But there is just so there is too much here crammed in to an epilogue.
1: I just really feel for Charlie and Renee in this chapter or epilogue or whatever. I just think it's horrendous and their lives are never, ever going to be the same.
0: You're totally right. But I don't I don't dislike that from a story point of view.
1: Yeah, but it's the way it's done here I don't appreciate. I think it's quite
0: poetic.
1: (laughs) What, that they're not given much airtime and... We just see them grieve.
0: I, I think Charlie is. I think Charlie staying right to the end.
1: I think that is very characteristic of Charlie to be the last one there and just sitting mm-hmm. down. and.
0: It made me sad that Renee has Phil.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, obviously, she is on the verge of collapse. And obviously, that's not going to change the fact that her only son has died. Yeah. But the fact that she had Phil to pick her up yeah. and take her home. And Charlie doesn't have anyone to do that.
1: Yeah, it's just so sad. And then Bo, he remembers what he said to Charlie and is, like hopes that that human memory will start to fade eventually.
0: Yeah, so he'll be spared of it.
1: It's sad. I'm just sad. And it's horrible. I just think about the parents and it's just awful. And like I said, yes, OK, we've just discussed that maybe Bo is numb and maybe, you know, Bo is just coming to terms with how he feels about... Well. These decisions that have had to have been made for him to be a newborn.
0: And he's embracing the fact that he's going to lose these memories. So he doesn't really have to grieve. He doesn't really have to worry about it because they will just fade.
1: Exactly. And then in a year's time, they're going to be leaving Forks anyway. And I'm guessing what if they were to ever return, all of these people will have to be dead. Yeah,
0: Probably. I feel like we might talk about this more next week, but in terms of comparing how things worked out in the Twilight Saga to this standalone novel, Mm -hmm. I don't know. In this version, Renée gets some closure. So does Charlie.
1: Closure about what?
0: Well, they get a dead child, which is awful, but it's also something concrete. It's something that they can know. It means they're safe.
1: But Charlie found out the truth.
0: Charlie never got the whole truth. He got moments of the truth. And eventually, Charlie is going to age and die. And will always have the weirdness of the fact that the Cullens won't.
1: Yeah, but at least he has his daughter in his life.
0: But Renee doesn't.
1: Well, we don't know. We don't know what's going on mm. there.
0: It just seems like a stretch. Charlie knowing and surviving. Also, we know that it's vampire lore that Charlie cannot know. Well, that's
1: why they don't say the V word.
0: Yeah, but I mean, that's ridiculous. Like if Well, you... it's
1: ridiculous that people at school didn't know.
0: Well, yes, it's ridiculous that everyone wasn't pointing and screaming yeah. vampire every time the Collins walked into a room. I just think this is logical. Because of this, I feel like the ending is more earned. I'm kind of only just realizing this as I'm saying it, but I don't feel like Bella and Edward's ending was really earned. They got their cake and ate it too.
1: But that was the point.
0: But it's stupid. (laughs) And it makes the whole thing to me a little bit inconsequential and a little bit too light and fluffy. I think we said in the big battle at the end of Breaking Dawn, someone should have died. Yeah. There was no price to pay. And I think that in good stories, good triumphs, but there should be a cost in order to give the whole thing weight.
1: I mean, yes, but at 14, I was quite happy that my heroes got to be together and it was a romance.
0: Mm, I would have been happier if someone kicked the bucket.
1: And then what makes it even worse is that they've just seen everybody deal with Bo's death. And now they're talking about basically the whole of twilight saga's plot what if we had this life and we graduated and we actually got married and then we went away and i had time to become a newborn and then come back and you're like uh-huh
0: bo describes the twilight saga
1: and she goes nope never would have worked this was the only way <laughs> i like
0: that it's cheesy but i thought it was kind of cute
1: really i just thought it was so dismissive like don't be stupid
0: and they laugh about it and bo says okay okay you're right there's no other version. And I think that's witty. Because we are reading another version of the original story that has just been described. I liked it.
1: And then, in the middle of all this shit, we've got a sort of proposal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I... Mm. Chloe, I hate it.
1: Yeah! I th- you sounded like you are about to defend it.
0: What I thought for a moment I liked was that <laughs> Edith kind of proposed. Right. Because it's Edith who brings up marriage Yeah. In her little story and then Beau's like "Whoa, Really? I mean,
1: again, she's turned you into a vampire you are together forever now and you're still questioning if she would even marry you.
0: (sighs) It's exhausting I'm exhausted. I cannot wait to get out of this boy's head (laughs)
1: oh and you can tell we're tired you can tell we're tired i can tell they're
0: tired she's tired so the conversation goes you would have married me really and she says i still will archie's seen it so basically it's a done deal yeah there's no need for a question and answer archie's seen it the decision has been made that's all we could have ended that then beau's like super flattered because she would marry him (gasps) and then she's like is that a proposal like, A, you know it is. B, no, it it wasn't really. Like, you never... I could say, like, "Clubby, I'm really flattered that you would marry me. That's not the same thing as me wanting to marry it's you. True. It's true.
1: So true. In fact, if anything, that sounds more like a no. Well, exactly.
0: Do you know how many times people have asked to marry me and I've said I'm so flattered and followed it up with a no? Seven. Seven times.
1: But then... Finally, we're interrupted by a call from Corrine.
0: Saved by the bell.
1: Literally. Jesus wept.
0: And then we rush home. Can everyone just take a moment for a nice big drink? Because Bo makes the point of telling us my strides were almost three times as long as hers. Why? Because he's He's tall. tall. He's so tall. Drink up, everyone.
1: (laughs) So the wolves are pissed. They think Bo was changed by them and they have broken the treaty. Yep.
0: I really I've I've nothing to say. This is so redundant all of this. <laughs> We know. We've made the argument about, like, if we were reading this for the first time. We know. She knows. We all know. No one is reading this version before they've read Twilight. Yeah. So we already know about these wolves. I don't need all this, like, something growled in the darkness. It's massive wolves. Yes, we know. Yeah. Get on with it. He assumes they're men because he's a dick.
1: Because he's completely forgotten everything. He's so stupid. I
0: know, I mean, to be fair, he did burn for all that time.
1: Yeah, but like, he already knew about the wolves. Poor Jules, all that effort. And then, so a meeting with Bonnie is needed.
0: Yeah, we get a little moment where Corrine is like, I won't hurt them. They're protecting the people. They're doing the right thing. And we get like a fun little, what I believe is a callback to the Mitchell and Webb sketch where it's the Nazis going, are we the bad guys? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. Where Royal is like, <laughs> they think we're the villains. And everyone else is like, yes, Royal, you're a villain. What do you think you're doing? Look at your long blonde hair and porcelain skin. You're obviously the bad guy.
1: Clearly evil. So Bonnie is called and Bonnie's like, I don't know what that fucking thing is. Uh, the treaty broken. And then we have all the spiel and Beau can resist the smell. Now, I have a problem with him going, oh, Bonnie smelled quite good. Because I thought wolves were supposed to be repulsive to vampires.
0: But Bonnie isn't a wolf.
1: But she's an animal.
0: Ancestor. But she's, I don't believe she's ever transformed into a wolf. Hmm. So I think that she's still physiologically a human. Right. Completely.
1: Fine. Whatever. I'll let you have it, but I don't agree.
0: So this section on Bonnie sent me through a bit of a loop. Okay. So Bonnie arrives in a car with uh, a woman who we've never met called Paula who we assume is a werewolf because she's super strong. When they park up, (laughs) Paula picks up Bonnie in her arms and carries her like she weighs nothing, and Beau compares it to the way that the Cullens had thrown him about. And throughout this whole meeting, Bonnie is held in Paula's arms in order to have this conversation. Oh
1: my God, I didn't realise that.
0: I went back, I read it several times, like, huh, where is Bonnie's chair?
1: That is awful.
0: That just got me thinking just in general about Bonnie Black, about Billy Black, and about the representation of disability in these books. Mm. Obviously, you know, Chloe, but I don't think I've actually ever mentioned on the podcast before that my mum is a wheelchair user. Yeah. So I phoned my mum (laughs) because i was interested to hear from her she's a medical professional very high up in her field she's in a position of authority in her workplace she's very educated and she's a wheelchair user and so she brings that experience of being a person who in certain spheres is very highly respected like bonnie as the acting chief of her people, but also a wheelchair user. So I I chatted to my mum a bit, I don't need to go kind of fully into it, but we just talked a little bit about representations of wheelchair users, about the experience of being carried, and how as a person of power, but not just as a person with authority, but any person who deserves respect. Being carried, even carried in your wheelchair, gives you a real feeling of being out of control. My mum actually says she really doesn't like even being pushed in her wheelchair. She often will be, but would much rather be controlling her wheelchair herself. And so that then made me think back to all the times that we've seen Bonnie in this chapter at the funeral but also every time we've seen her at the Swan House it was the same with Billy often with Jules pushing her in the chair and Bonnie is what 50 she would be able to push her own chair yeah you know it's not a fair comparison between my mother and bonnie black because my mother is a white person with means yeah she has an adapted vehicle that she can drive from she has an electric wheelchair for when she needs it we're in the uk so there are systems in place that try to ensure that those who need these kind of things have access to that. Bonnie is a Native American living on a reservation. In the States, you would need thousands and thousands of dollars to even be thinking about an adapted vehicle. So I can understand why she's driven everywhere. Mm. But what I don't understand is why has her chair not been brought with her? Or why has a chair not been placed? There's this kind of back and forth they have with how close Bonnie needs to be in order to see and hear clearly, because she's not supernatural. Even if they had placed a chair, carried her to the chair and then backed off. I was thinking about other representations of people with power, leaders, in wheelchairs, and um, to my shame, the only one I could come up with is um, Professor Xavier from X-Men. I was
1: just thinking the same thing. He
0: is always in his chair, Yeah. and is always through the kind of proxemics of the characters around him, where people stand in relation to him, where he's positioned, even in the films where he's positioned on the screen, he is given power yeah. and weight and status. Yeah. I could think of the film Logan, where he is a much older man and very sick. There are several moments in that film where he is carried. But in my memory anyway, those are in moments of emergency. And it's a very different kind of moment. He doesn't have the status and he is still given respect.
1: I feel awful that I didn't even realise that she was being held. I thought, I just assumed she was put down so she could have this discussion
0: yeah, yeah there's something about being carried that's quite infantilizing yeah it makes her either seem like a child or makes her seem very elderly and frail yeah bonnie black is neither of those things Even, I mean, speaking to my mum, she said that she will often choose to be in her electric chair in big work situations because she's able to raise it up. And so she's higher. So she's at an an eye level. She said that there's something quite uncomfortable, even about someone stood speaking to her in her chair particularly in a work situation, particularly if it's a place where she might need to pull rank or where her status is important. Because these things matter. This is how we communicate to each other with our bodies. Yeah. But I still think even in this situation, if they had just chucked Bonnie's chair in the back of that car and got it out and put her in it so that she was there in control of her own movement so she was not being carried... And that's that on that. <laughs> I almost feel bad that we haven't made more of the representation of disability in these books before. I mean, I do want to say that what is great is that Billy and Bonnie are in a wheelchair and it's not a big deal. Yeah. It is mentioned. It's one of the first things that we hear about with Bo's truck yeah. is, um, you know, remember Bonnie Black? She's in a wheelchair now, so she can't drive this truck anymore. So she's selling it to me. We know that she wasn't always in the wheelchair. She didn't always use a wheelchair, but now she is. We don't know why. I like that she's a character of status who is also a wheelchair user, and it's not a big tragic story. So I appreciate that. I do. But it is also a physical reality, and um, yeah, the way that's dealt with could be better. Also, who the fuck is Paula?
1: Paula is Paul.
0: Oh my god, Paula is Paul. Yeah. Still, we didn't need that. I mean... It could have been Sam.
1: No, because Sam's the leader and Sam needs to be a wolf.
0: Why? Oh, because they hear through the minds.
1: Yeah, but... No, because well, they can no, hear through the minds even without no. Sam. so if they need to attack, they can attack.
0: Right. But we don't know any of that in this book.
1: What do you mean? We know that things are tense. We know that things could break out, which is why they're having this meeting. But I I had the assumption that if Bonnie said the treaty was broken right there and then, shit would go down.
0: Yeah, sure. But also in which case, Sam could have just put Bonnie down and transformed. I don't know. Like, I just think introducing this Paula, because Bo is our narrator, we've got such a clunky introduction of like, there's a woman, she was strong, she looked like Sam because she had short hair. Also, okay, fine, Paula, Paul, I get it. Paul is one of the most volatile members of that group. Yeah. Why would you have him be in charge of getting Bonnie there? Again, I think it shows a lack of respect for Bonnie. Ooh. Even the fact that Paula has been charged with taking her.
1: Then, you know, Bo. his parting words to Bonnie are, you know, please look after Charlie Mm -hmm. because I'm incapable of doing that. And when Jules finally gets told the truth about everything, tell her that this was my choice. I'm like, Jules is not going to give a shit about you, Beau. In this book, Jules is not like Jacob. She's not that involved.
0: No, like, it was a crush, but she's not, like, in Oh, was It wasn't even a
1: crush. It was just a fancy. They saw each other at the beach. Yeah. It was, like, cool. Yeah, it was
0: flirting for fun.
1: Yeah. She's not going to imprint on Beau's unborn child, so. God,
0: I wish we'd seen more of her. She was such a good character. I know.
1: Yeah, another disservice.
0: Is Jules there? Because there is a brown wolf. There is Sam, the black wolf. And there is a brown wolf there. And there's a weird kind of tension about, will you tell Jules any of this? And Bo says, I didn't understand the look that crossed her face now. And Bonnie says, Jules will know soon enough. And I didn't know whether that was because jules will know everything once she transforms for the first time that's
1: what i thought it meant
0: but this unnamed brown wolf that's in the background i almost wondered whether jules was present there
1: okay maybe it
0: was interesting and i wondered whether that was maybe some of this like juicy goss that edith's never going to give us
1: no honestly there's just so much to be disappointed with
0: here just why i don't understand why i will when we get home so i don't have to repeat all of it <laughs> literally <laughs> this chapter has been beau repeating himself yeah why does beau have to repeat himself and edith doesn't also you're gonna end the chap- oh it's you know what it is chloe tell me tell the children oh,
1: it's lazy writing but
0: yes it is Okay, best bits, best bits. I've just um, made a big show of closing the book and now I need to open it up again. So I've written down my best bit was Beau's funeral and faked death. I'm sorry it made you so sad, I really am, but I think it's a clean ending.
1: I also feel for the parents of the boy that they use. Like, there's just so many really sad parents out there. I mean, it
0: is pretty morbid that Beau, like, says that he went for one final ride.
1: Uh, that is.
0: <laughs> Do you think, this is my other question Because obviously so vampires Can't really be killed without being like Ripped up Yeah. Were Archie and Eleanor In the truck? In order to drive It off the ravine and keep the foot on the Accelerator, were they there?
1: They could have attached a brick or something I
0: suppose so, in my head When I'm visualising it, I'm picturing Like Archie With a corpse on his lap In the driver's <laughs> oh, seat God. Driving over the edge of this ravine with Eleanor in the passenger seat, like, woo! Oh no! Like Thelma and Louising it off the edge and then crawling out of the burning wreckage without a scrape on them. Wow. That's just the little short film in my brain. <laughs> What's your favourite bit? I don't have one. <gasps> Fine. What's your worst bit?
1: All of it. Bad, bad, bad. Bad is
0: what I've put. I mean, kind of same. So I put my favourite bit is Bo's funeral and the worst bit is everything else. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. (laughs) Chloe,
0: it's the last burning question. Maybe ever. Maybe Ever. It's not ever though, is it? It's never forever. It's
1: never
0: forever. There are so many questions I could have asked about this final little mm. module of no story we about. get. And I've asked a few as we've gone through. But what I kind of landed on is Is Bo a shield? And with no beef with the Volturi, will he ever discover that gift? Oh, and then I wrote like a little bit underneath. I forgot to ask this one earlier. Will jewels ever find love?
1: Oh. Okay, uh, it's leading up to the fact that Beau has obviously got super restraint, is a very amazing newborn. Is basically not a newborn. I mean, Kareen says, you know, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you're at least a century. Decade. Oh, uh, decade. Oh, decad- oh sorry. Because yeah, I was a like, well, that's
0: not that impressive. Like, that's not old. In the last decade, what have I really gained?
1: <laughs> a husband and a house and a puppy and. <laughs> yeah,
0: but what knowledge? What ability? What skill?
1: Oh, if anything, you've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> So it's leading up to it, but you know what? Because it's the burning question of what I say goes, and I fucking hate this, and I hate him. I say no, he's not going to be a shield. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. What about Jules? Will she find love?
1: Of course she will.
0: Will it be imprint kind of love?
1: I don't think so.
0: Do the female werewolves imprint? Ooh
1: i think they do i just think for jules because her actual soulmate will never be born now so i think it won't be an imprint but it will be a deep love and i'm hoping it will be with paula oh yeah
0: thank you for joining
1: us for the epilogue An occasion Join us next week for our final episode on life and death.
0: You can find us on social media by searching at ForksCast. And you can rate, review, and subscribe to What forks wherever you listen.
1: Until next time, take care.
0: And remember, I'll tell you when we get home so I don't have to repeat it.